Chapter twenty seven of Gossip in the First Decade of Victoria's Reign by John Ashton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty seven Collapse of the Railway Mania, Sheriff's Officers, Hudson, the Railway King, First Ethiopian Serenaders, The Nigger Minstrel Craze, Commencement of Irish Famine, The Battle of the Ganges, Railway Surveyors, suicide of hayden the painter although the collapse of the railway mania really began in eighteen forty five its effects were not fully felt until the commencement of this year when ten per cent on railway capital had to be lodged with the accountant-general within seven days from the assembling of parliament which in this case meant the twenty ninth january it really received its first serious wound when the bank of england rose its rate of discount on sixteen october but it was only when the calls had to be paid that it was found how rotten the whole concern was as the marquis of clanricarde in a speech plainly exposed said he one of the names to the deed to which he was anxious to direct their attention was that of a gentleman said to reside in finsbury square who had subscribed to the amount of twenty five thousand pounds he was informed no such person was known at that address there was also in the contract deed the name of an individual who had figured in the dublin and galway railway case who was down for five thousand pounds and who was understood to be a half-pay officer in the receipt of fifty-four pounds a year but who appeared as a subscriber in different railway schemes to the amount of forty one thousand five hundred pounds the address of another whose name was down for twelve thousand two hundred pounds was stated to be in watling street but it appeared he did not reside there in the case of another individual down for twelve thousand five hundred pounds a false address was found to have been given another individual whom he would not name was a curate in the parish in kent he might be worth all the money for which he appeared responsible in various railway schemes but his name appeared for twenty five thousand pounds in different projects and stood for ten thousand pounds in this line another individual who was down for twenty five thousand pounds was represented to be in poor circumstances a clerk in a public company was down for upwards of fifty thousand pounds there were several more cases of the same kind but he trusted he had stated enough to establish the necessity of referring the matter to a committee there were also two brothers sons of a charwoman living in a garret one of whom had signed for twelve thousand five hundred pounds and the other for twenty five thousand pounds these two brothers excellent persons no doubt but who were receiving about a guinea and a half between them were down for thirty seven thousand pounds the story of the collapse is so admirably told by mr francis that i prefer giving his version than writing of it myself money was scarce the price of stock and scrip lowered the confidence of the people was shaken and a vision of a dark future on every face advertisements were suddenly withdrawn from the papers men of note were seen no more as provisional committeemen distrust followed the merchant to the mart and the jobber to the exchange the new schemes ceased to be regarded applications ceased to be forwarded premiums were either lowered or ceased to exist 
bankers looked anxiously to the accounts of their customers bill-brokers scrutinized their securities and every man was suspicious of his neighbour but this distrust was not confined to projected lines established railways felt the shock and were reduced in value consoles fell one and a half per cent exchequer bills declined in price and other markets sympathized the people had awoke from their dream and trembled it was a national alarm words are weak to express the fears and feelings which prevailed there was no village too remote to escape the shock and there was probably no house in town some occupant of which did not shrink from the morrow the statesman started to find his new bank charter so sadly and so suddenly tried the peer who had so thoughtlessly invested saw ruin opening to his view men hurried with bated breath to their brokers the allottee was uneasy and suspicious the provisional committeeman grew pale at his fearful responsibility directors ceased to boast their blushing honours and promoters saw their expected profits evaporate shares which the previous week were a fortune were the next a fatality to their owners the reputed shareholders were not found when they were wanted provisional committeemen were not more easy of access one railway advertised the names and addresses of thirty none of whom were to be heard of at the residences ascribed to them letters were returned to the post office day after day nor is this to be wondered at when it is said that on one projected line only sixty pounds was received for deposits which should have yielded seven hundred thousand pounds it was proved in the committee of the house of commons that one subscription list was formed of lame ducks of the alley and that in another several of the directors including the chairman had also altered their several subscriptions to the amount of a hundred thousand pounds the very evening on which the list was deposited and that five shillings a man was given to any one who would sign for a certain number of shares nothing more decidedly marked the crisis which had arrived than the fact that every one hastened to disown railways gentlemen who had been buried in prospectuses whose names and descriptions had been published under every variation that could fascinate the public who had figured as committeemen and received the precious guineas for their attendance were eager to assure the world that they were ignorant of this great transgression men who a month before had boasted of the large sums they had made by scrip sent advertisements to papers denying their responsibility or appealed to the lord mayor to protect their characters members of parliament who had remained quiet under the infliction while it was somewhat respectable fell back upon their privileges when they saw their purses in danger there is no doubt that an unauthorized use of names was one feature of fraudulent companies and that amidst a list of common names it was thought a distinguished one might pass unnoticed the complaints therefore of those who were thus unceremoniously treated were just but the great mass of denials emanated from persons who knowingly encountered the risk and meanly shrunk from the danger it is the conviction of those who were best informed that no other panic was ever so fatal to the middle class it reached every hearth it saddened every heart in the metropolis entire families were ruined 
there was scarcely an important town in england but what beheld some wretched suicide daughters delicately nurtured went out to seek their bread sons were recalled from academies households were separated homes were desecrated by the emissaries of the law there was a disruption of every social tie the debtors jails were peopled with promoters whitecross street was filled with speculators and the queen's bench was full to overflowing men who had lived comfortably and independently found themselves suddenly responsible for sums they had no means of paying in some cases they yielded their all and began the world anew in others they left the country for the continent laughed at their creditors and defied pursuit one gentleman was served with four hundred writs a peer when similarly pressed when offered to be relieved from all liabilities for fifteen thousand pounds betook himself to his yacht and forgot in the beauties of the mediterranean the difficulties which had surrounded him another gentleman who having nothing to lose surrendered himself to his creditors was a director of more than twenty lines a third was provisional committeeman to fifteen a fourth who commenced life as a printer who became insolvent in eighteen thirty two and a bankrupt in eighteen thirty seven who had negotiated partnerships who had arranged embarrassed affairs who had collected debts and turned his attention to anything did not disdain also to be a railway promoter a railway director or to spell his name in a dozen different ways the sheriff's officers had a busy time of it and punch in going out arresting gives the following colloquy between two of the fraternity thou aaron my dear have you had any sport pretty well i've bagged four allottees and two provisionals but a notice of the railway mania would be very incomplete without a mention of george hudson the railway king he was born at howsham a village near york in march eighteen hundred was apprenticed to a draper in york and subsequently became principal in the business thus early in life becoming well off besides having thirty thousand pounds left him by a distant relative in eighteen thirty seven he was lord mayor of york and the same year was made chairman of the york and north midland railway which was opened in eighteen thirty nine in eighteen forty one he was elected chairman of the great north of england company and afterwards held the same position in the midland railway company he speculated largely in railways and in the parliamentary return already alluded to his subscriptions appear as three hundred and nineteen thousand eight hundred and thirty five pounds he came to london and inhabited the house at albert gate knightsbridge now the french embassy where he entertained the prince consort and the aristocracy generally he was elected m p for sunderland in august eighteen forty five and again served as lord mayor of york in eighteen forty six the railway smash came and year by year things went worse with him until early in the year eighteen forty nine he had to resign the chairmanship of the eastern central now great eastern midland york newcastle and berwick and the york and north midland railway companies he went abroad where he lived for some time and tried unavailingly to retrieve his fortune in july eighteen sixty five he was committed to york castle for contempt of the court of exchequer in not paying a large debt 
and was there incarcerated till the following october he fell so low that in eighteen sixty eight some friends took pity on him and raised a subscription for him thus obtaining four thousand eight hundred pounds with which an annuity was purchased he died in london fourteen december eighteen seventy one we have been so accustomed to have nigger minstrels with us that i suppose very few of us know when they began of course i do not mean the solitary minstrel like rice of jump jim crow fame who was the first coming over here in eighteen thirty six but the first troop i find it in the illustrated news of twenty four january eighteen forty six whence also comes this illustration a party of american minstrels under the above designation commenced on wednesday night twenty one january at the hanover square rooms a series of concerts for the avowed purpose of affording an accurate notion of negro character and melody these artists are remarkably clever and admirably made up they are painted jet black with ruddy lips and large mouths and being capital actors the deception created is so great that wagers have been offered that they are really darkies they dress in dandy costumes a la julienne that is white waistcoated and wrist-banded turned up in the most approved d'orsay fashion of course it is impossible to come to any right conclusion as to the authenticity of the african airs especially as they have arranged the compositions of the great european masters in such a grotesque manner the executants are five in number one plays the tambourine mr germon who is the leader another the bone castanet the third the accordion and the two others the banjo or african guitar the castanet player does not sing but his four colleagues have good voices and in glees harmonize charmingly in a quartet the parody on the phantom chorus from bellini's somnambula and in a glee you'll see them on the ohio nothing can be more effective than the skilful blending of the parts it is perhaps the buffo exhibition which will create the greatest sensation and in this quality they are inimitable the tambourine performer affects a ludicrous air of pompous sentiment while the castanet sable hero indulges in all kinds of buffoonery and antics he is a wonderful player no spaniard can rival him in rapidity delicacy and precision a scene called a railway overture causes an explosion of laughter they seem to be endowed with perpetual motion and the scream of the whistle at the same time as the noise of the engine beggars all description the entertainment is quite a novelty and will no doubt be attractive they have been provided with letters of recommendation from president polk and some leading persons in america who must be better able to appreciate the accuracy of their african delineations than europeans they were popular with a vengeance for every little street arab had beef bones for castanets and every new song was roared out in the streets until it nauseated punch drew policemen and dustmen as ethiopian serenaders and even suggested that lablache mario and tamburini should adopt the style the queen opened parliament on nineteen january and in her speech 
whilst deprecating the very frequent instances in which the crime of deliberate assassination has been of late committed in ireland she went on i have to lament that in consequence of a failure of the potato crop in several parts of the united kingdom there will be a deficient supply of an article of food which forms the chief subsistence of great numbers of my people the disease by which the plant has been affected has prevailed to the utmost extent in ireland i have adopted all such precautions as it was in my power to adopt for the purpose of alleviating the sufferings which may be caused by this calamity and i shall confidently rely on your cooperation in devising such other means for effecting the same benevolent purpose as may require the sanction of the legislature on thirteen march parliament talked somewhat about the matter and sir james graham the home secretary confessed that distress pervades the whole of ireland it is to be found in every province in every county in every union nay almost in every parish in ireland the course her majesty's government has taken has been this we have in particular parts of ireland established depots where food can be bought at an easy price at the very lowest price and thinking that eleomisonary relief ought to be avoided as much as possible we propose to afford to the utmost possible extent either by means of public works to be undertaken or by works already established the means by which the people may be enabled to earn wages and so to purchase food at the moderate cost at which it will be supplied but in spite of all the government could do with the very best intentions gaunt famine was stalking through the land and the hungry folk could not be quiet with the sight of food before them they were not going to starve when they saw the baker's shops full of bread and the butchers of meat human nature and a hungry belly could not stand it so we can scarcely wonder at the famine riots which ensued the shops were wrecked the food was taken they even laid their hands on a boat proceeding from limerick to clare with relief and plundered it of its cargo of corn and maize flour but alas this was only the commencement of the sad story there was an alternative open to those who had the money to emigrate and this they did see the following from the cork reporter copied into the times of eighteen april for the past fortnight our keys have been daily thronged with the fine and stalwart peasantry of this and the adjoining counties preparing to emigrate to various parts of the transatlantic world perhaps upon no former occasion even before the hope of railway employment was held out to the people and when government grants for their relief were never heard of did the number of emigrants from this quarter exceed the proportion of this present year besides the various large and well-freighted vessels which have left the keys of cork direct for america several ships were dispatched to the west of the country and had no difficulty in obtaining their full complement of passengers two large ships went round to bearhaven a few days ago and have since left the shores of that bleak district with over two hundred passengers several other vessels have proceeded or are about to proceed for baltimore and bearhaven localities in which the destitution of the present year has been severely felt three hundred persons have been ready for the last fortnight to embark from dingle but not being able to get a ship to visit them sufficiently commodious for their accommodation have been obliged to make the best of their way to cork 
several vessels now lying at passage will sail this day these taking five hundred and fifty passengers at a moderate computation about nine thousand immigrants have or within the next month will have left this port for america it is to be hoped their anticipations will be realized there can be little fear however that their condition could be worse or their prospects more disheartening than those which the potato famine in this country little mended by the promise of indian corn had occasioned la fin chasse la lue or du bois to starve or emigrate are the only alternatives of the people the waterford chronicle thus comments there will have gone after the season is over upwards of three thousand people from this country by this port alone not to talk of the rearing of these people the trouble and expense of bringing up a healthy man woman or child and especially leaving out the irreparable loss to society in this country of their affections hopes and family ties all now sundered and destroyed not to talk of the countless living deaths of wholesale immigration from a feeling and warm-hearted mother country the amount of capital taken by these three thousand is immense assuming that each individual spends ten pounds in his passage and before he settles and that he has ten pounds more to establish himself here is a direct taking away in hard cash of sixty thousand pounds gone out of the bleeding pores of ireland to increase the misery which is left behind we are in possession of facts which show that many cunning landlords are sending away their people yearly but by degrees and not in such a manner as to subject themselves to a clearance notice if this system be continued we shall be tempted to give names after these things who will blame the people for outbreaks occasioned by famine there is nothing plentiful in the land but ruin employment is scarce money is scarce the people are being thinned farms are being consolidated bullock land is progressing ill fares the land to hastening ills a prey where cows accumulate and men decay for some long time there had been a conflict of opinion as to the merits of different sized gauges for railways brunel the magnificent advocated a width of seven feet and practised it on the great western others wished for something far more modest great was the wrangling over this battle of the gauges and a royal commission was appointed to inquire into the matter they gave in their report on thirty may and the question was settled by an act for regulating the gauge of railways nine and ten vic c fifty seven passed eighteen august eighteen forty six by which it was settled that in future all railway lines in england were to be four feet eight and a half inches wide and in ireland the width was to be five feet three inches by the way railway surveyors were paid well and almost every one that had ever dragged a chain posed as a surveyor as a sample on twenty three april is reported the case of white versus co and mon where a witness said levellers are always well paid i have received before this ten pounds a mile and i could level from seven to eight miles a day these are not extraordinary terms i had to find hands to help me i had three men at seven shillings a day each on twenty two june poor hayden the painter committed suicide 
he was extremely egotistical and nothing could persuade him that he was not the best painter of his time his fixed idea was that he was without a peer but no one else thought so his diary is very sad reading here is an entry april thirteen relative to the exhibition of his picture the banishment of aristides receipts of one pound three shillings sixpence an advertisement of a finer description could not have been written to catch the public but not a shilling more was added to the receipts they rush by thousands to see tom thumb they push they fight they scream they faint they cry help and murder they see my bills and caravans but do not read them their eyes are on them but their sense is gone it is an insanity a rabies furor a dream of which i would not have believed englishmen could have been guilty he even wrote to the times about it general tom thumb last week received twelve thousand people who paid him six hundred pounds b r hayden who has devoted forty-two years to elevate their taste was honoured by the visits of a hundred and thirty-three and a half producing five pounds thirteen shillings sixpence being a reward for painting two of his finest works aristides and nero horace vernet la roche ingres cornelius hess snore and scheffer hasten to this glorious country of fresco and patronage and grand design if you have a tender fancy to end your days in a whig union end of chapter twenty seven